Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest on to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. We now join our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. Well, let's go on to one of Danny's questions. What should we hit us up with, guys? Um... I have a feeling for your second question, we're probably going to have the same answer. Yeah, we, we kind of already talked about it. Um, well, I want to uh, – let me do the third one. All right. What was the way – so obviously now you can be exposed to new music everywhere. It's TV ads. It's, it's every, literally everywhere. But how did you find out primarily growing up? How did you find out about bands and albums? And do you think the way that you found out about them impacted what you considered good or bad music? And I'll go first. So a lot of it was – we're sort of finding it from everywhere, but we had, you know, 120 minutes, you MTV raps, you had the radio, you know, lucky, you know, sometimes you would be lucky enough to hear or find something, you know, somebody would give it to you, but it was pretty much all the same places. Um, and I think it had a huge impact of good or bad, because I think for me, anything that was played on 120 minutes, I'd be like, oh, this is good. And then you'd listen to it a little bit more and you're like, oh, this is, this is really bad. Uh, you know, they had one good single or it all sounds the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This is a terrible question, Steve. No, not, so <laughs> I, I thought for sure we were going to have the same answer. Just you and I walking around disc jockey and uh, music land, looking at the album covers and going, oh, this looks interesting. <laughs> Let's go with that. Well, and I will say there's, um, remember Michael. Lane? <laughs> the, us what the play. No, uh, remember the, um, the Kaczynski brothers had that band Rosemary, the cover band. That's yep. the first time that I heard Hey Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms. That's the first time I heard Nearly Lost You by the Screaming Trees is because they had those two songs in their set when we went down to the carnival. And our parents let us go see a rock band at like, what, yeah. we were like 12? <laughs> right? At the beer garden. That was at the beer garden. Yeah. And it was an all-ages show. And I think we were just about – not even all age to be an all age show. No. Cause we were, I want to say that I was like 13 or 12. It had to be around there because nearly lost. You would have been 92, right? 93. Yeah. And the gin blossoms for sure. That was it's 95. Yeah, I guess. So maybe it wasn't the first time. I don't know. Can I take this question back, Steve? Can you edit this one out? No, I, I've got my answer yet. So you don't want to. Yeah, Let's Jim Blossoms was 92. So, yeah, we would have been 12 or 13. So, for me, though, I, I didn't get MTV until I moved to LAD in 1990. And it was, like, eye-opening. So many different things. And I don't know if you remember, but in the early 90s, MTV had rock blocks or, or music blocks that they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you'd get, like, four or five R&B or rap ones. You'd get four or five pop con- pop ones or the, and then then the rock ones and that's where i started to learn that there was more more bands out there than just what my parents were playing and then so that was like the first half of the 90s for me and then after that the aforementioned hank's garage hank's garage was a cornucopia of different music styles of what people would bring in and play you'd have you know mike you know putting pearl jam on you'd have uh Chris Hank uh, bringing in Radiohead. You had Gary Nass bringing in Anthrax or something. I mean, you had 
all kinds of different stuff. Uh, you know, Kyle was big into Ozzy. Um, uh, but then in the middle of all that, we had Oasis playing nonstop. I mean, we had all kinds of different music in there. And, well, overall, it was Smashing Pumpkins. That was probably the, the biggest of it, of it all. But the mm-hmm. uh, but that particular garage, I mean, every weekend, just music, music, music. We were just put on different CDs and, uh, you know, being the you know 15-year-old music critics that we were, you know, saying what's good or bad. <laughs> I, I would say, like, for for me, it was, uh, like, the magazines. You know, we'd, we'd go to, like, the News and Booze or the Prue Mall, like, to, like, uh, the, the bookstore. Yeah, B. Dalton's. And then, like, just grab all the alternative, like, Alternative Nation and, like, Spin. And um, the late 90s was, like, Blender. But like that's like I would read the articles and like even now like um, reading like music blogs and stuff, you know when it comes up and it's like hey check these records out and then that's how I would find a lot of stuff or it would be it would be honestly a lot of times it was just luck you know somebody would be like hey man do you see these guys and be like no I'd, let's check them out or like. Or like you know, like uh, Tommy Jefferson would show up and like be like, "Oh, Vogue's got this new band we got to check out from like from Springfield, man. They're really cool." And then next thing you know, you know, you're listening to all this different stuff, and a lot of it had to do with like peers and like who you hung out with. I feel like you know, I didn't have an older brother, so Tommy, like Jepson was kind of like my older brother when it came to like music and stuff like that. Um, him and which is funny, Marissa's older brother, uh, Jason, uh, you know, they would bring in some like music that we never really heard of. And the only way you could get that is like having older people tell you like what was cool and not even what was cool, but like, Hey, check this out. Like I remember Tommy like brought in like Buffalo Tom. Like I would have never heard a band called Fantastic. Buffalo Tom without, without Tommy like talking about them or, um, like when you got to college too, especially at the end of the nineties, it was, you know, people in your dorms and stuff that you would talk to and like, just get different perspectives from people of what they really liked. Uh, like, I mean, I would bring some stuff. People would be like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, Oh, sorry. It's just sad bastard music. It's my, it's, it's well, like and, and to that, <laughs> to that I, same thing with, uh, my last two years of the nineties was in the barracks. Yeah. So that was a, a completely change of pace as far as from the Illinois Valley with, cause for some reason everybody has to have their barracks door open and play their music as loud as possible because everybody else does <laughs> need to hear it. So that's what you're walking down and you'll hear, you'll hear DMX over here. You'll hear some, some random country shit over here. And, uh, the one guy that plays turn the page from Metallica on repeat all day in, in the barrack. Oh, that's that could, that could have been another song of, I don't need to hear again. The barracks was a great place to kind of discover new music that a lot of us had missed the past year and a half because we were literally out of the loop with with basic and our training that we just couldn't. Yeah. Uh, we, we it was there was no radio or nothing. Um, you know, so we, you get you get your permanent duty station. Like, what is this girl in a schoolgirl outfit dancing? Uh, is this music now? That's interesting. Can we mute it and just watch it? <laughs> you know, if I, um, but it looks like Dom's back, but that's, that's where I first heard like DMX and stuff and, and uh, all those other stuff that was just not played in the Illinois Valley. That was well, the two things that, um, that you both brought up is not only word of mouth. And I think too, I think that was kind of cool about growing up for you know, at least three of us on the, on this, um, growing up in a small town where you kind of float between, 
you know, you had folks listening to this and they would turn you on to a band and then you would go, you know, Michael, you mentioned like Tommy Jepson and he was big into like the Brit pop stuff, you know, Buffalo Tom's one of my favorites. And then, um, Steve, you'd mentioned Hank's garage and Gary Nass is like, Oh, you've got to listen to the new, um, Megadeth record. You're like, okay. I, th- I thought they were an eighties band. You're like, no, countdown to extinction is a fantastic record. Um, and then, you know, folks turning you on to Jane's addiction and, and things, but also something that you had mentioned, Michael, about music magazines, I think was huge too, is because not only if a band was reviewed, but then if you found your artist that you liked, and I know that's been said to death, but like, um, if Cobain would mention somebody, I was instantly trying to figure out, oh, I got to get this record. If, and that lasted for a long time for me too. And it's still to this day, when you read something about a musician that you like or is inspired and they turn, they mention an album. You go back. I, I think the, the first time I ever heard of My Morning Jacket, Dave Grohl had one of their T-shirts on in one of their videos, and I know that's two thousands. But it was something like, "Oh, that immediately stuck with me." Like, "Oh, I, if it's cool enough for him to wear the T-shirt, I've got to figure it out." Yeah, Tom, are you back with us? I am, gents. I am so sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no problem, man. Uh, current question is: How did you find out or hear about new bands or music in the nineties? Oh man, word of mouth, word of mouth, 100%. Word of mouth, MTV, um, uh, you know, really the music channels, whether it be MTV, I think, I feel like VH1 was out, um, but we really didn't, you know, didn't have to listen to it that often, but it certainly was something that uh, wasn't happening. Yeah, I think too, going back, a few times MTV has been mentioned, but especially when they had their show, like you get to that middle 90s or even early 90s, you've got, um, not only just you had mentioned rock block Steve before, but you've got Yo MTV raps. You've got 120 minutes. You've got hair, uh, head, hair bangers ball, uh, head bangers ball. Um, <laughs> at one point it was like hair bangers ball though. <laughs> but, so, but was like, those were the first, like Nirvana was on head bangers ball. Yeah. Famously Kurt wore a, a prom dress because it was a ball. He was wearing a ball gown to the ball. But then not only that, when just mainstream videos all day, you know, that they would play and it was no, so you'd be like, oh, that's a, that's a cool video. I need to check that out. And then other people were talking about it because you're all watching the same thing. Um, so that was a huge, huge thing. I think we were sort of the tail end of that because, you know, obviously we know what MTV is now and what it turned out to be, but I think, you know, word of mouth and, and MTV was huge. Yeah, we, we were just up in, um, uh, Lake Geneva and the, um, the hotel had MTV classic and which I don't have. And we had it on Sunday, like night. And it was like how MTV was on Sunday. It was like all these, you know, rock blocks. And like you were saying, Steve, and like some like rap blocks. And then sure enough, Dan at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, it was 120 minutes started. And it was like an old episode of 120 minutes. And I think that's one of the things I know, like the kids today, um, you know, they got like TikTok and YouTube and all that stuff. But just to have that one source, it it really did like, you know, make you want to go find out about different music and, and different bands and like albums and stuff. I think it's a missed opportunity for MTV these days because people will argue, oh, well, you can get that on YouTube. You can get that on Vimeo or TikTok or whatever. But it's from an educational standpoint, you know, where you've got those shows that are playing 
playing music and talking to the artists of the genres that you are learning and starting to enjoy. Yeah. Whether it's Headbangers Ball or Yo MTV Raps or Alternative Nation, you know, you're getting those, you're getting all that information like, oh, well, you know, Dave Grohl was on there. He mentioned the Screaming Trees. Okay. I want to learn about them now. You're not going to get that on TikTok. No, and and the only way you get stuff about new music is like, honestly, it's like blurbs or podcasts or, you know, like if if, you have to have to go seek uh, like the music blogs anymore. You know, it's not like, you know, in the mid the mid 2000s and later and probably in the mid 2010s, you know, the music blogs were so big, you know, like Pitchfork and uh, uh. the robot one, I can never think of it. Um, but like now, to, if you want to go find, like you have to remember to go online and look at that and then hope that you, because there's just so much information now. It's almost like an overload that people are getting. Um, th- that's why it was hard, like having like Apple Music. It's like when I was a kid, you know, like you'd have to save up or you have to try to like scam BMG or Columbia House for, or for out of CDs. Never. But, like, yeah. Never. you know like now it's like i can press it's almost like it's too much like like a lot of times i'll just sit there and be like i don't know what to play because there's so much i think what we lose too is and we're sounding like old guys but it is a 90s podcast um what's lost though is there's no zeitgeist anymore so and before it would be oh this video is going to be in rotation or this is uh, they're going to be interviewed in this magazine and it's going to be there for a while. And you're sort of, you have time to spend with that album or that single or that band. And you're sort of, everyone's sort of seeing it together. We're now even on a music blog. If you read it, okay, this record's coming out. It's talked to death or, you know, talked about before it's released. By the time it's released, it's already old. And they're sort of like, Oh, well, we're moving on now. You're like, wait, what? I'm just, and I know that's a generational thing, but well, I yeah, think you, even MTV had like the spotlight things like buzzworthy videos. You know, that's where I first heard it. Yeah. yeah the flagpole sit uh, or uh, Hey Man, Nice Shot from Filter. I mean, songs like that, that, you know, okay, that was a great song and it was highlighted. I want to hear more. Yeah. And then you got to the rec- those two records and you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, man, from the, on the uh, Harvey Danger album. I'll, I'll fight for that song. That's a good song. I'm just. <laughs> well, I had one other thing too. Do you guys remember the box? The box? The box? No. Yeah, it was like a uh, music channel. So uh, the only reason I remember is I remember my buddy. Um, they had it. They had one of those little the black box cable boxes, or whatever you know, the ones that got all the channels and stuff. And yeah. it was like a premium service, and it was a uh, like where you could go in and make the video request songs. And um, it was called the box, and you would. Uh, it was like you know, pop, rock, country, whatever. Um, and you can just call in and, and you would basically be able to, uh, the users would, be able to vote, would call in and vote. And that's how um, they would pick like the next song that would play. That sounds amazing. Really? Yeah. The only, <laughs> the only box I knew was I think my dad got uh, in trouble for it, like in the eighties. Cause he had one of those black boxes and uh, the cable guy comes in and he goes, oh, sir, did you know that you're getting all this stuff for free? He goes, I, I knew those kids were messing around with something. He blamed it on his children who were like six <laughs> and seven years old. <laughs> that, that we somehow figured out how to install like a black box to the TV. Sir, crafty <laughs> little first graders. <laughs> yeah. 
but using using a wrench as the uh, to to tie the uh, or tie in the coaxial. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to another question. Uh, Dom, do you want to ask one of yours? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I've been kind of out there for a little while. So, um, so I guess the next question I'll ask you guys is: I mean, what's your favorite song to listen to outside of you know genres that you kind of normally uh, listen to? And so for me, I guess I'll answer the question first. For me, um, you know, one of my all-time favorites is In the End by Lincoln Park. By far, one of my most, I, I, I just love that song. And it's, you know, you have the, 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 the just the, the, the diversity of, you know, uh, of, you know, you obviously got Chester on the vocals. You got Mike Shinoda, with, with, you know, with the, with the, the lyrics and the R&B, you know, R&B, excuse me, the, the rap and the, and the uh, vocals. Of course, you got the breakdown with the board and, and you know, just the metal and everything kind of just coming in all at once. And for me, it was just something, a song that I just resonated with. Honestly, it's a song I, I listened to um, growing up um, before, you know, any type of sport event, whether it be basketball, football, track or whatever. I would listen to that song. It was one of the ones that just kind of just get me a little pumped up and get me ready to go kick ass. Yeah, that song and that whole album, fantastic. Uh, in the end, one of the best tracks on that whole album. No doubt there. I will say this, uh, if you want to get technical, it was written in 1999, but the album came out in 2000. So, I thought it was. I thought it came out in 99. I thought, I thought it came out in 99 too. The single, yeah. the single probably came out in 99, but the album came out in 2000. Uh, you know what, Mike? You, you might be right there. So I have to. Hmm. Hey, I'm just the only reason I know is because I've just been flipping through my. Uh, my Excel document and <laughs> <laughs> this calls for a spreadsheet. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so <laughs> this is why I'm in, this is why I'm in finance. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> Super dorky. <laughs> I'll allow it. Cause it is a fantastic album. No. I, and you know what? I, it, I had to double check it because I was like, man, I thought that, I thought that was, 99 but i i'm pretty sure i bet those singles came out like well, and, and you know how you kind of place things in your life you know you soundtrack your own life there with yeah. you know, you're listening and and that was a barracks album for me that was that was played heavily in the barracks and um in 2000 i moved out of the barracks so as i remember hearing that going in and out of of you know different rooms on over the weekends so yeah so that's that's why i would place that in 99 so officially it was recorded in 99 and it was the the single was released october 9th of 2001 oh shoot wow cuz that album was that album was in 2000 that's insane for sure well you know i i hey, it I works for stand. me i let yeah. it stand as long as you didn't like say like oh man I, it was definitely uh, Rolling by Limp Bizkit, like when I would have been. <laughs> I mean, that's twenty something years ago, anyway, so it's hard to remember. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely Faith. Um, <laughs> so I'll put the question to Mike. Mike, what do you think? What, what would you say is your one ninety song cross genre that just kind of sticks with you to this day? Oh, uh, I, I mean, my mine would have to be "It Was a Good Day" by Ice Cube. Um, I mean, I, I, I love that. And what makes it even greater now is like that fact that somebody like did the work to figure out what day it was. Oh, really? 
Yeah, they, they figured out, like, the Lakers beat the Supersonics on this day. The Goodyear blimp would have been, like, in L.A. around this time. And they did it. It's, like, February something, like, 1991 or something. Oh it's God. so ridiculous. It's really funny. But I love I love the one thing that, like, on, the, on MTV and all that stuff and on the radio, you never heard the end of it when the song's done and on like the actual version he says what the hell am i talking about this for like this is stupid i gotta go <laughs> i'm ice cube man i gotta like go kick someone's ass yeah that's a good one man my that's actually my dad's favorite song um and you know picture picture me uh, at the time a seven-year-old kid hearing your dad you know just bust all these rhymes and recite word for word ice cube lyrics um, that's awesome. I mean, it was, yeah, that was, that was, uh, it definitely made some good memories for sure. And, and even to this day, like we, when, when the song comes on the radio, I, I start rapping it. My wife, she starts rapping it. I'm pretty sure the kids just start looking at us like I'm crazy, but I'm, there'll be a point in time where I'm, I'm, I hope they'll appreciate how great a song that was. Oh yeah. That's a great, I, and we have a, I have a friend of mine that when he goes to, uh, the casinos, when he's, uh, throwing playing craps he always says he always right before he throws the dice he says backdoor little joe like every time he throws his the dice <laughs> every time <laughs> and so i I'm just like i can't you know this is like this five foot six like white guy just yelling backdoor little joe <laughs> well, now, nowadays you'll have people look at this ice cube the actor that guy yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the actor in those in those family movies that guy are we there yet yeah. Oh, you should listen to his first couple records. They're they're not so family friendly. I mean, Ice T's a cop now, right? Is that right? What yeah, for, for many I mean, years now. Yeah. I mean, come on. I think he's been a cop longer than a cop killer because he's been on what uh, SVU for what like fifteen years now? Probably longer than that. Yeah, oh yeah that's an understatement. You're right. I mean, it's, he, he's he's wrote it out longer. Heck, he's lasted longer than the main stars. That's right. I'm gonna uh, uh, take my answer for this one, uh, and it's. I'm trying to take myself out of the podcast because, you know, with my podcast, I've, I've discovered a lot of songs that I'm listening to a lot lately that are outside my genre. But uh, going back for, for the decades, it's uh, Tupac, Hail Mary. Okay. Nice. That's just a, that's just a fun, fun song to, to, to crank up and listen to, and it's, it's always, uh, always in my playlist. I feel like right now we're going to – this is going to be a split decision for the uh, – Biggie versus Tupac uh, conversation later, maybe. A lot of Tupac love going on. <laughs> it's because he's the more talented. Whoa, whoa. Oh, Let's man. talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> I think you and Danny might be arguing that point. <laughs> those, those could be fighting words. In some oh, circle. my God. <laughs> so I, I looked at this a little bit uh, – Definitely. It was a great question. Not necessarily genre. I guess rock is my or alternative is my genre, but something that I listen to a lot, um, like 90s hip hop is, is something I listen to a lot, but a song that I keep going back to, that's not one of the more popular ones is, uh, mob deep shook ones part two. I don't know if anybody knows mob deep, mob fantastic deep. record out called the infamous back in the nineties. Um, so a buddy of mine, his brother, um, John Stats would um, do skateboarding competitions and stuff and head out east and he'd always come back with mixed cassettes of like stuff that people were listening to out there and it was all like east coast rap and but the first time I heard like Outkast um, Luna's um, Wu-Tang Clan 
And this song by Mob Deep was on one of his mixes, and it's just a fantastic song. I recommend checking it out. But it's got a great lyric that says, "Ain't no such thing as halfway crooks." Come on, yep. that's just that's poetry right there. So, <laughs> absolutely, that's a song I keep going back to a lot. It's been on numerous playlists, and it's always close, near and dear to my heart. Well, it's funny because you mentioned that, right? And if you guys seen Eight Mile, that was uh, an Eight Mile. That was one of these songs that. I was going to say on Eight Mile, that was one of the songs that was featured there. All right, I'm going to I'm going to go to a fun one here. What what is your favorite one hit wonder? Go for it, Danny. Yeah, my favorite. Uh, well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh, whoa! I, I, I got uh, right on top of my list whoa, here. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey! hey. <laughs> there is no so, better one hit wonder than Super Drag. Who sucked out the feeling? Oh. That's- yeah, that's a good one. That is a that great is a, song. And the rest of that record is just trash. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Where'd you go now that everybody knows? It's so catchy. Shows yes, it really is. I, I And Steve, it's, it's 100% in the list, man, uh, from that year. <laughs> Such a good song. They, they were a Bonner too. They sucked. They were bad. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. It, it was like 40 minutes of, of, of nothing, and then they ended with who sucked out the feeling, and everybody went nuts. <laughs> yeah. I got to go with Four Non Blondes. What's up? Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. I mean, a- Linda Perry has gone on. She's won Grammys for road songs for Britney and Christina really? and you name it. Uh, but that song, in, in terms of a one-hit wonder – it was, just it was so weird. It it was an just such a, catchy, an odd song. Yeah, I think the whole thing is a sing along, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just and it's real. Hey, 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 what's going on? Over and over again. But just when you think about a catchy tune that sticks yeah. in your head, that sounds as good today as it did back then, it's sort of the definition for me of a one hit wonder. It, and she had such a unique voice that it fit the song, but I, I couldn't tell you another song that they uh, that they sing at all. I mean, completely one hit. I, I can tell you other songs that she wrote. Like, yeah, I know she's a great songwriter. That, I mean. <laughs> like, like I, she's probably had more of those than anything, right? Yeah. So, uh, is Hanson Oompa been taken? Um, no, I can't. I, I can't. <laughs> Just because we were talking about it today. Yeah. Uh, we kind of we talked about um, sellout. Real big fish was always love that, and then I, honestly, I it has to be the Harvey Danger. Like flagpole sit up for me. Just because I. I took them off my list because I like the record, but I'm a nerd. So. (laughs) I I tried to like that record a lot more. The other one I I was like, but I don't think as much people know it is Bandito's The Refreshments. They are a fantastic band. Because that song. But you you never saw anything else from them. Preacher's Daughter. Come on. You don't, don't question me about 90s one hit wonders, man. But, by, no, by the way, my my, uh, my alternate was the Proclaimers. So I'm going to be 500 miles. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Can we like? I wonder if it could have just been like, what is a crappy pop song that you really like that didn't really bother you that much? <laughs> oh, look, we got here from Dom yet. Dom, what's your favorite one hit wonder? Oh, did we lose you, Dom? Well, before Dom comes in, I'll, I'll say my my other alternates were Stay from Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories. Oh. oh. You know what? Another great soundtrack, the Reality Bites yes, soundtrack. Right. Reality Bites was really good. Yes, and st- yes, stay. Uh, this is what I mean, like pop songs that like you still kind of enjoy. 
But there's you know, so many, I, though. I, like, I, just, I just got a text from Dom, lost connection, but his one-hit wonder is, color me bad, I want to sex you up. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that's great. Girl, you make me feel. <laughs> Dude, I, but there's so many. They're like, Dishwalla, uh, Counting Blue Cars. Tell me yeah. where are your thoughts on God. <laughs> we, we are missing the, the one we talked about earlier, though, but over text. Uh, Groove is in the heart. Ooh, Delight. Bootsy Collins. As With you, Q-Tip. Yes. There's so many of those songs, too, that sort of... There's a ton in the 90s. Oh. So many. And you're like, yes, this song's a banger. How Bizarre. <laughs> Tub Thumping. How no. Tub Thumping. Torn by Natalie Imbruglia. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Come on. Um, what's the... Uh... There's so many of those. Joan Alborn, dro- if I, God was one of us. I, oh, dro- dro- I dropped out. Did we talk about um, the uh, Get Knocked Down and Get Up Again? He just he uh, just, just just mentioned tub thump and that was it. I my uh, my Bluetooth went out of my earbuds, so I I missed like a couple minutes. So walking in Memphis, walking in Memphis, yes. Life is a highway. Tom Cochran. I know Rascal oh, Flatts had a hit with it, but come on. Uh, but but it, I'll mention it. I mentioned in a text message earlier. But so when I worked at the Uptown uh, as a prep cook, there was a, a head cook that every time he was on shift. He had two songs that he put in. He had two cassette singles. He'd play them one after another. One was How Bizarre. The other one was Tub Thumping. And he would just, he loved those two songs. Played them over and over and over again. I got, how about Unbelievable by EMF? Oh, and then Jesus Jones. You can't mention EMF without Jesus Jesus Jones Jones right here, right now. How about the New Radicals? Yep. That was just on the the 90s playlist. We're listening. Everything About You by Ugly Kid Joe. They had two hits. The Cats uh, in the Cradle. The, um, the Cats in the Cradle creatures. was their other one. Yeah, that was a cover, though. It was a cover. Yeah. they had. A, there's a good song on the end of that record called Mr. Record Man from Ugly Kid Joe that I recommend. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's the only one I used to listen to all the time. It's uh, an acoustic little bit, little uh, song that's pretty good. Pretend You're Dead by L7. Yeah, they're not a one-hit wonder. Come on. Do you remember the song Slam from Onyx? Oh, I used to rap it at lunch all the time. Lee would <laughs> Lee would beg me to rap it. <laughs> da, da, da. Let the boys be boys. I was going to say Technotronic, but they had multiple hits. CNC so, Music Factory. Not... There you go. Yeah. I, some Is that of the 90s? Stuff that was, no, yes, that's the 80s. 100%. No, Mark, CNC yeah. was like 91. It was Is, on the playlist Is Marky today. Mark considered a uh, one-hit wonder? Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, because yeah. I mean, how about, his it, brother has more hits than him. What? Um, remember Snap? I've got the power. power. Oh. Uh, who the hell was that? Oh, Delight today that we were talking about grooves in the heart. Yeah, that's where you dropped out. <laughs> we talked about Delight. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> there you go. That narrows it in. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, a bunch hey, of that stuff was coming up. Bismarck today. Key. Oh, yeah, that, was, yeah. that, that played too. That was a great one. That's a great yeah, song. He just, he just passed too. Yeah, that was a big loss. All right, uh, Danny, take us to another question. All right, your promoter. You've got a '90s nostalgia concert. You've got three bands 
Oh, okay. Dead or I was gonna say, yeah, yeah you narrowed it down to three now. That, that, that's a okay. My list just keeps going. Yeah, I've, I've got a list now. Uh, <laughs> it's like a 12 day Lollapalooza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, five bands. Five I've bands. Rock Never Stops tour over here. <laughs> Who's on your list? Five bands. You're the promoter. Five bands, five acts. Oh, five. Who's on your list? Michael, we'll start with you. Wait, 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 wait. Are we talking like the bands in their 90s prime here? Yeah, you're seeing the 90s version of okay. that band. So we're talking 90s Axel, not today's like fat Axel. You right? can say, I want to see GNR, Use Your Illusion, Guns N' Roses. All right. If you, if you want to get specific. But yes, you're seeing him in their 90s heyday. All right. I mean, obviously Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Um, and then I would say like Biggie, uh, Tribe Called Quest. And then... This is a this is just cheats because then I get a six band in um, Soundgarden because then I could get Temple of the Dog uh, songs to be played. <laughs> oh, that's, so that's a, that's a good cheat. That's a there. cheat. That, that's, that's a, a good cheat, cheat code. Cheat code. <laughs> hey, with Tribe, we also get Buster Rhymes too, right? So that means like that's like six. I get like seven bands on mine. So if now Danny, Danny's going to work in some Sunny Day Foo Fighters <laughs> magic here now. There. No, I was just going to say Ditto, except I was going to add Wu-Tang Clan to my list of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Biggie, and Wu-Tang would be a, a hell of a top four. Because then oh, you get, yeah, if you want to talk about all the solo records and all the stuff oh, that Wu-Tang no has, I mean, we could just go on for there. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Sunny Day. I mean, I know they're coming back, but in the 90s, I mean, I got to give a shout out to that, right? Yeah, I guess you Absolutely. can't really pick yeah. five bands, can you? It's or ten. I, the list. I had to stop myself. I'm like, I'll yeah. just do like ten. <laughs> See what I was thinking is bands that would put on, like you know, it's going to be a good show, right? So I mean, Nirvana is all time. Like, if we we're of this generation and you're into rock music, it'd be like growing up in the '70s and missing out on Zeppelin, right? You wanted right. to see them live when they were all together. But yeah, Biggie's got to be on there. I know. Dan, we definitely know how this conversation's going yeah. between Biggie so, and Tupac, yeah. for sure. D- Dom, I don't know if you're, you're on or not. If you want to, I am. If you're, so All if you're right. a promoter and you have five in your set list. Um, you got to go Biggie. You got to go Tupac. You got to go Nirvana. Um, I would say for me, oh, Jodeci from an R&B perspective was amazing. And then uh, Nirvana, for sure. Uh, that's a good set list. That's a good set list. Dom, they, they couldn't hear you for some reason. But uh, so to recap here is you had, you had Tupac, you had Biggie, Jodeci, uh, Nirvana. Who was the fifth one? Oh, Wu-Tang. Man. Wu-Tang. Okay. <laughs> I knew I liked yeah. Dom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so, Steve, you can see his, you can see he's talking, but it, I, yeah, I can't hear him. Yeah, I, I heard him loud and clear. I don't, I'm not, I don't know why. Okay, well, that's good. Ridiculous. Sure you yeah. did. He's going to hear this episode and go, what the fuck are those bands? I didn't pick any of those, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Color me bad. Mariah what? Carey for seven what? hours? What the? <laughs> Color me bad. Uh, the ugliest uh, boy group of all time, boy band group. Color yeah, me they, bad. They really one guy look. was good looking than that thing. <laughs> all right, so I've got, I got Guns N' Roses, uh, Tupac, Beastie Boys, Pearl Jam, and Oasis. Oasis. Yeah. Oasis, like, if you, if I could see them, like, in 
like Isle of Wight Festival or like Manchester, like in the mid to early nineties would have been. That's why I asked nineties prime era. Yeah. That would have been, they'd be good to see. So see, so nineties prime, are we, we're counting GNR in nineties prime splitting hairs here, Steve. Uh, use your illusion one and two. I think are fantastic albums. No, I know. I, I guess because I would rather like see them seven like, to eight of the songs that are fluff. I, I would think. rather see them like eighty eight, eighty nine, like after yeah. Appetite comes out in eighty seven. But I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I'm but I, I really, I really love a lot of the songs off those albums. I mean, oh, I November too. Rain, obviously, and then totally. you know, Civil War and others. It's and I don't, I don't know where Lies comes years? in. Was Lies, Lies right before, before, right before. Yeah. Yeah, Elias is like 88. Yeah, something along those lines, yeah. You Could Be Mine. I mean, that's yeah, like he's for sure. rocking. The video alone with with the Terminator, with yeah. the ex-gov. And Edward Furlong. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, great videos. We could, honestly, we could just have like a – you could have a three-hour podcast just talking about greatest videos. Video. We could be like, greatest we videos, could be like yeah. Beavis and Butthead and just like <laughs> commentate on – <laughs> the videos when they come up. Well, one of my favorite videos, just to touch on that, is because uh, we talked about Tribe earlier, but Tribe Called Quest scenario. Oh, it's yeah. such a fun video to watch nowadays because it's all like Winamp graphics on it, like old '90s Windows music player. <laughs> uh, gra- it's just it's hilarious. Buster Rhymes is in there. Oh, that's great. It's a, such oh, a great Buster. video. It's a great song. Great album. Very uh, underrated band. Mike. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Dan. Don. I was saying Tribe Called Quest is a very underrated band for sure. They're definitely one I'd like to listen to more. I need uh, I need someone to bring one of their albums to the table, like their best one that I can have a reason to, to dive into it. All right. Uh, Dom, uh, give us another question. Sure. So the question is, um, and as my, I guess my final one was, uh, you know, what, what were you all's thoughts? I guess growing up in the '90s, obviously, uh, on the East Coast versus West Coast rap beef. Like, what did it mean to you? Like, like what were your what was like your idea and perception on? It? That, that was weird because growing up in the Midwest, like no one cared. I mean, really, because you, you, there wasn't like a lot of rappers from Chicago at the time, or like Midwest rappers, like that were as big as the two guys. And I think. At, at least even like the guys that were really into rap, like at the, at ha- like at the high school, like I think I always liked both sides anyways, for the most part, like it wasn't a big thing. I, I just, I personally like, like I like Dre and Snoop, but I, but then I like, you know, Biggie more than I like Tupac. You know what I mean? Like, I it's, think you're right. it's like back and forth of like the fact that those guys were like, you know, had issues with each other and wanted to do all that. It was like, Whoa, like, I think the main perception in the Midwest was that at least in the, in the rural Midwest where we grew up was that it was basically not really an act, but just kind of part of their personas. Right. Right. It was just, Oh, they're, they're beefing. It's not anything serious. It's not, this isn't something that's going to come to gunfire. Like what the hell uh, thought it was just basic. Uh, I mean, you know, Beatles versus Rolling Stones level of rivalry. Just sure. Why not? And what influenced me more on it was that, you know, Tupac more had the backing of Dr. Dre and Snoop and that crew versus Biggie had uh, Mace and Puff Daddy. Uh, and that's and that's a very narrow minded 
approach to it, but that's the only, you know, that's, that's the, the visibility I had on it at the time. I didn't know any, you know, any others. And because of all that, Tupac and the West coast just seemed to have better music to me. And that's where I, that's the, how I approach it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is not realizing the seriousness of it. Cause I think you kind of grew up in the nineties. There was always, there was, you know, Axl Rose and Kurt Cobain yelling at each other or getting in a fight at the MTV music awards or, you know, somebody saying something disparaging about another artist. And you're like, Oh, that's what, you know, at least to me, that's what this East coast, West coast thing is not realizing the, the deadly, literally deadly seriousness of it. Um, and it was never, Oh, you, you can't listen to West coast. If you like East coast, like you guys were saying, it was just sort of, I liked it all. Um, you know, the chronic is one of the greatest albums of the nineties, if not ever period. So it was ready to die by a biggie. So I think it's just, um, just not knowing, I guess, or not having the awareness because it wasn't sort of, or maybe it was just the way going back the way that it was sort of the information was given to us. It was coming through maybe Yo MTV raps or the music magazines, just as some of those other so-called feuds were being fed to us. So it didn't have that heightened seriousness or at least at the time i didn't realize it until obviously you know things went down what was your take on it Dom? yeah i think it's um it's interesting to hear your perspectives especially you know mike you kind of shared you know your perspective from it um the midwest perspective and you know not really having a uh a dog in the fight um per se so uh it's kind of interesting to hear you, you know what you hear you share your your thoughts on it um i think it was i mean and danny kind of alluded to it as well uh, very unfortunate and it was very uh, at the time we didn't think it was as serious as it was and then obviously when you, when, you know two lives were lost um, it really kind of kind of really just opened up or opened everyone's eyes as to really how serious it was and it was unfortunate I mean it was just terrible and, and when you think about it especially now you listen to the crap that's on the radio now we really lost two savants in, in the you know in the game um to, to really something that was just foolish and even guys who were normally, you know, who were friends at one point. Um, so it was just really sad. So, um, I mean, it was, it was in, you know, uh, for part of the, uh, the beef, I lived in the East coast. The other part of the beef, I lived in the uh, West coast. So it was kind of different. This you know, interesting to see like how both sides kind of view the, uh, the dispute as well. So it was a lot of, uh, you know, complexity in, in, people's thoughts on what you know what they thought how they felt about you know one artist versus the other and it really just shows like how americans typically will side with whoever is near and dear to them or closest to them um as opposed to you know who's who might be right or who might be wrong in this situation yeah that pretty much sums it up I mean, and it's 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 definitely interesting to hear all the different perspectives from each coast. So I, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Danny, you're just looking at each other like, "Yep, that's all a great thing." <laughs> I know that's what it, since it was his question, I wanted to hear his answer. I guess <laughs> I guess I'll have to wait till release day. Yeah, we'll have to wait for the pod to come out. <laughs> Dom, they can't hear you, uh, but they Dom gave a, a very eloquent description of having lived on the East Coast and West Coast. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, you gotta gotta wait till it comes out. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I, I can hear you just fine. So yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. So since Dom is is stable where he's at now, he missed out on just questions two out? through ten. Yeah. 
<laughs> Not a big deal. To anybody that makes it this far in the actual podcast episode, you know, I, I thank you very much, but we're going to backtrack a little bit. Dom, what band or album didn't click with you in the 90s that you grew to appreciate later in life? Oh, gosh. You know, I'm saying Nirvana. Um, their, 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 their first album. Um, I can't even tell you the title of the album because, I mean, again, wasn't a huge fan of it uh, growing up. Bleach? But, uh, I believe. My, Mike, is that Bleach, their first album? Yeah. He's I think probably he's talking, talking about, about Nevermind. Nirvana. Nevermind. You probably doesn't even know that Bleach is a record. Let's see here. <laughs> you might be right. You might be right. Uh, it was, um, no, it was Nevermind. Yeah. Yeah, Nevermind. Yeah, Nevermind. To be fair, I tried to listen to Bleach, and it, I, I didn't really like it too much. You know, yeah. Steve, I'm going to go it. off on a seven-hour tangent. So <laughs> you guys, well, well, Bleach came out in the um, – you see, now my memory's coming back to me. Bleach came out actually uh, 89, I think. Yeah, it wasn't 90. 80, mm-hmm. 87. 87. 87, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, uh, never mind for sure. Yeah, never mind for sure. And so, and partly because, um, I mean, it wasn't what I knew. I was seven years old when it came out, right? And seven, year old, seven years old, um, completely, completely different background growing up, right? Again, my mom and dad didn't listen to rock growing up. They listened to blues, R&B, and you know, and my dad, you know, hip hop stuff like that. So, Confunction and 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 Cameo and and the Gap Band was his, my dad's era of music, right? Um, so nice. I wasn't exposed to it. And you know, you you hear that's you know that um, you know the guitar comes in on on you know smells like Teen Spirit, and, and you know you're like, oh, wait a second. Even though I'm, I'm this is not what I'm normally used to listening to, this shit kind of sounds good this is kind of jamming here a little bit. And, you know, you start bobbing your head and then all of a sudden everything just comes in the percussion, uh, you know, you hear the cymbals crashing. You're like, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself, you know, almost like, like I'm having a headbangers ball over here. And this isn't, this isn't what I'm used to. Um, and then you, you know, you start going through the album and listen to the lyrics and, you know, the vocals and, and the, the, the context of what, what, you know, what, you know, Cobain was talking about. And you're like, well, this is some really deep shit. And this is really, this is really compelling and really, really good music. And I didn't appreciate that until I, you know, I, I I think I really started listening to Nirvana probably, probably, I guess was, it had to be in the 2000s or probably like right now, I guess like right around the high school era, like 2000, 2001 for me. Um, And, and so it was, I would say that album, I would say by far that was, would be be one of them. And I know it's kind of like a lazy way of doing it because, Oh, it's a popular album, popular band, you know. But for me, being you know from a different culture, it, that one just kind of stuck a little bit. I think you missed out on the underappreciated album or song. Did you catch uh, that one? Yeah, I think I think I was trying to answer it, and that's when I started having all the issues. Um, okay, so underappreciated album. Uh, I'm gonna go with for my most underappreciated album. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay stay true to my roots, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna go R and B, and this was actually an album from a uh, a soundtrack for a movie, and it's a completely uh, uh, I mean one would say it's you know for, for a macho guy like me it's kind of soft to say this, but yeah you know, I'm gonna go with it. Uh, There's a movie in the mid '90s, Waiting to Exhale, started Whitney Houston, um, a bunch of other actresses, uh, like 
like uh, I think Lee Rashawn and a couple other uh, actresses uh, or whatever. But anyways, um, that album, amazing album. I mean, you're talking about some of the best R&B singers of, of our uh, of the era of the generation: Whitney Houston, Tony Braxton, uh, Brandy, Monica, and they all put out some really really high quality songs. I believe maybe two or three of them chart topped it, you know, number one. And it was really good R and B music, really good music. And uh, you know, the movie was kind of cheesy, but um that album there, it was some really good R and B ballads there. And 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 especially from a you know, this the album actually Mary J. Blige, oh my God, I almost missed that song. Not gonna cry by Mary J. Blige. Uh, oh. one of the greatest it, it, I put that on that Lenny Williams because I love you. Like that, that, that stratosphere of, of begging and you know, not necessarily begging, but like, it was just being a woman scorn or just kind of just sharing just raw emotion. And, and that song she conveyed in there, uh, she conveyed like those thoughts on that so much. So, I mean, she was even like, like when the scene happens in the movie and you, you, you hear that song. And now when I, when I hear the song today, I am like, I immediately get that vision of the movie when that scene happened, where the, where the, uh, the husband leaves the wife and everything. And it just takes me right right back to that moment. So that album though was 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 classic. I mean, um, I want to say that um, I think I know Brandy and Monica had a song on, uh, together on that album too, which was really good too. So, but yeah, yeah that album there was that boy's mine. I th- was that? I think that, I think the boy was mine was was on that album. That, that's only I, I heard that today. When I was when I was doing some uh, research. Yeah, actually, you know what? That one wasn't on there, but they did both. Both of them had songs on that album, though, that were really, really, really solid. Uh, I'm gonna have to pull the track listing up uh, to kind of run. Through I remember, it. I remember the movie, you know, being out there and the the soundtrack being, you know, pretty heavily popular at the time. Uh, but I, I haven't seen the movie. I mean, it wasn't like Bodyguard. Though. No, well, I was just going to mention though, but we, you guys were talking, joke, not joking before, but we were talking about Mariah Carey before, and when you had just mentioned um, Whitney Houston being on that record. You talk about somebody, I know maybe your mind goes to her 80s stuff, but you talk about the Bodyguard soundtrack, Waiting to Exhale. When you talk about all-time 90, like, peak of her powers, you, some people go to the 80s, but, man, that 90s when she was just crushing it, especially yeah. with the, the Bodyguard soundtrack. Yeah. And I Will Always Love You, mm-hmm. I mean, and Mary J. those notes. notes. Right around when she did the uh, national anthem at the Super Bowl. That was like the – Yeah, I was, yeah. I was in that wave. I mean, that's what took that's what took Whitney Houston from like you know. She, I mean, obviously, she was always you know super you know super, super famous and super uh, you know popular. But like once that happened, like it, you know, obviously she was singing because I think Dolly Parton that was her song originally, right? Yeah, yeah I will always love you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you know when when that happened, I mean, it, it, it brought in a lot of country fans. They were like, "Wow, this this girl can really sing." And and, and hell, you know, in some people, some cases, people were like she she sung the song better than you know Dolly did it. And so it kind of yeah, that's her song. You yeah. know what's crazy is that Dolly's been on. If I'm remembering correctly, she's on record saying that her version, Whitney's version, was just somewhere she didn't even think the song could go. Absolutely, the heights she didn't even think it could go, and just like her relationship with that song has changed so much because of Whitney's version of it. But yep. talk about a song that was everywhere. And just, yeah. I had the cassette single. I think my sister had the CD single. And I mean, it was just one of those songs that were just. Yeah, my sister had the soundtrack because she would blast those. I have, I have nothing was another great track off there. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That, you know, that, that, that does re- like, uh, you know, you're talking about like Whitney and that does remind me of, uh, oh shit. Never mind. Come back to me. I 
totally forgot what I was going to say. Well, to transition off that one, what's, what was your most overplayed album or song? Ooh. Most overplayed song from the 90s? And to catch you up, Danny said Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just There's say There's a lot that, of context that's missing there. Yeah, but I just want to put them on It's blast. one of my favorite songs. Nirvana's my favorite, one of my favorite bands of all time, if not my favorite band of all time. So it was one of those. I equated it to a song like Stairway to Heaven from Led Zeppelin or one of those songs that I don't necessarily need to hear again because it's a part of my DNA. Yeah, so yeah, just to catch you up on that, Tom. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's fair. I Thanks, was, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, you could go with, um, uh, you know what? Um, I'm going to go with a Biggie song, and I, and I think he's, you know, easily, you know, one of the greatest rappers of all time. Um, but if I didn't hear, um, you know, the song with it was, oh, it was. Um, I'm hearing the song in my head right now, but I can't think of the name, the actual title track of the song. Um, oh, more money, more problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on Great that song. one. Yeah. 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 Amazing song, but if I didn't hear it again, I would I would be okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, you know, too distraught. That just makes me think of, say, Puff Daddy and Mace, you know, flashing like Rolexes in the camera and the yeah. video and stuff with the jumpsuits yeah. and it, yeah. <laughs> It, it, it would have been nice to see like a, you know, you know, especially when you talk about, uh, you know, 90s, and early 2000s hip hop. Right. You had Hype Williams, who's one of the best music directors from the from a hip hop perspective, at least. Um, I think he was the one who did that Buster Rhymes and Janet Jackson video that cost like you know several million dollars or whatever. But um, if you would have had him doing some production and videos for, for the bad boy, it really would kind of change your perception on them. But unfortunately, you didn't. And you had Puffy controlling everything and. It was god awfully cheesy. <laughs> I, was, I was a post on Instagram. It had um, you know what were the worst uh, outfits from '90s uh, um, um, music videos, and the the red Nike leather suit and that he and Mace wore in that outfit. It was like a red oh, like Nike yeah. jacket and a red yeah atrocious. Oh my and god! With the Missy Elliott trash bag from um, from her. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what was going on with that? Yeah. <laughs> Did she have like a little, like, you know, those blow up dinosaur costumes now that people wear? She had the fan in like, the back. Did she have the fan in the back? Is that yeah. what was going on? Like, she, she just. She was a pioneer. She was a pioneer. It, she, it, she it did give us, experience. though, some of the best Weird Al videos ever. This is true. Yeah, was, the 90s did help Weird Al's career, oh, yeah. like, more than anything else did. When he, when he parodied that and he had, instead of Puff Daddy and Mace, had him and Drew Carey. Just, yeah. Oh, oh man, it was great. That stuff was hilarious. Yeah. Steve, uh, I remember now what I was going to say uh, when we were talking about Whitney, um, about like the that's their song now. Um, I always think of uh, Trent Reznor when he talks about Hurt, Hurt and Nine Nails, and he's like, once Johnny Cast did that, it's like his song now. Like it's it's not mine anymore. Like and. But you can re-edit that to make that like kind of tie back in a little bit better. <laughs> no, no, I, I get what you're saying. It, Nine Inch Nails is something that we haven't even touched on. This There's whole so many things. Like, I've got three pages. I haven't mentioned anything I wanted to. I'm babbling like an idiot over here. <laughs> what are the best, uh, best band logos ever? 
simple, yeah. but effective. Yeah. Ooh, Loved it. Nice. You know, you see it on a shirt, you know, kid, you're like, what the hell is that? And you're like, yeah, oh. I could have gone with Lost Highway for the compilation. Oh, Lost Highway is good, too. Yeah, I forgot all about that. And- mm-hmm. um, That's pretty good. Dan, you mentioned the Crow album earlier. It's a soundtrack that really resonated with you. Yeah. I mean, that was that one. It was so the album, even like the movie was so dark and everything. And I felt like I don't know who was who who comp- you know, like if there was a central composer for the you know for the uh, for the soundtrack or whatever. But my God, they were on it. I mean, they were spot on. The album matched the movie. It was dark. It was mysterious. It was you know obviously it, it just fit the era. It, it and honestly, I think without that movie, you might not see. You might not have seen rock kind of uh, or, or alternative music kind of take the stage in which it did, you know, in mainstream. Interesting. I, I think that movie really made it like, hey, like it kind of sh- sh- it kind of shined the spotlight on it. because I mean, it was there. But then you're like, oh, it's on the big screen. And, you know, you had Brandon Lee and then there was a controversy. Obviously, you know, he passed away when they were filming and everything. And all. it was just so much going on with it. And, and then the great music and the movie was actually you know for a 90s movie was you know pretty good at the time um obviously now you watch it it's a little cheesy um but you know it, it just it worked it really worked i think what you just mentioned though about the the music matching the the movie so well is a great point and i think too because it's it's a comic it's based off a comic i think they did a great job with the sort of bringing the atmosphere of the comic into it but then that soundtrack you're right because it's it seems it pulls together and just the variety of artists on it. You've got Nine Inch Nails, and then you've got The Cure, who at that time are sort of, you know, in that early 90s, they're, they're not, they're sort of over their peak a little bit. Um, Stone Temple Pilots are on it. I think Ministry has a song. It's sort of that industrial, but it's, it's like you said, bleak and atmospheric as well. And they, the way they use those songs in the movie, too, it's just. Didn't yeah. Pearl Jam have a song on that album, too? No. Uh, no, they. Pantera. Pan, okay, um, maybe I'm thinking Pantera, which I shouldn't be Rollins Band, Violent Femmes. Uh, yeah. Rage was on there, too. Got yeah. some scene, which, yeah. Those I mean, guys. You, you, when you name it, then you, you think about the, the, the bands you named, you know, Stone Temple Fire, Pilots, and, and Rage. I mean, these are all bands that, if they're not already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I mean, they're, they're certainly going to get their name called here really soon. Well, and that was pretty much the lineup of the first few Lollapaloozas, too is that album and some of those other bands, you know, that we've been talking about. So you think about sort of, um, you know, we've sort of a theme that's been running through the episode of, of sort of all these different, um, genres coming together. And you think about, Oh, I'm going to see, you know, we said it before, but I'm going to see body count and nine inch nails because there's no, or I'm going to see ice cube or Wu Tang. And then, and then Pearl jam. Cause in your mind, like it's all coming together at the same time. There wasn't that huge divide that I think, you know, there has been in some other eras, I guess. But another way to, to bring that to life was sort of the soundtracks and the curators who, you know, pass that on to us, mm-hmm. I think is, a, is pretty defining, like you said, Don. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to thank you for listening to this part of our 90s Music Roundtable. The full three-hour episode is already up on our Patreon. Otherwise, the next part will be out in a few weeks. What music topics should we cover in future bonus episodes? Let us know on our socials. Thanks again for listening, and as I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time.
a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors. <laughs>